You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Welcome back to Between You and Me. We have a stellar episode for you guys today uh, featuring my friend Jennifer Martin. If you guys are fans of 90s, 80s Christian music, if you sort of think it was a golden era and Michael W. Smith is your jam, you're going to love this episode. Now, if you haven't heard of Jennifer Martin before, she is a singer-songwriter, she has a beautiful voice and she's an amazing composer. Before she started that, though, she actually did press and media relations for artists like Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant, and she wrote with passion for a little while as well. Jennifer has great thoughts about the industry, a little bit about how it's changed and what Nashville is like, considering she's still here today. She also talks a little bit about consumerism in the industry, how to create the right image for an artist, and how that really grated on her and she struggled with that when she was working in press and even as a singer-songwriter. So we touched on some really important topics today, topics about authenticity and the fine line between being an artist and having a faith and even marketing. Really tricky topics, even for artists who are still involved in the industry today um, and really good to touch on. So I can't wait for you to hear it. Now, the story of how Jennifer and I met was actually sort of random. We met through a mutual friend in Nashville and we sat down to have dinner. I gave her a copy of my book and she loved it straight away because we have a common passion for mental health. Uh, But we found out that we are both actually twins and then we figured out we actually lived in the same apartment building. So I lived in West End for a little while and we found out that she actually lived in the same place as me when she first started interning uh, with the record company that managed Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant back in the day. She is the sweetest lady you will ever meet. She's currently a minister at a small church in Nashville, which you'll hear more about as well. Let's get into the golden days of Christian music and talk about some of the people, the names and the places and the songs that formed the era that we're in now. Friends, welcome to the story of my friend Jennifer Martin. Born in Fort Worth, Texas, Jennifer Martin grew up in the company of seeing nuns and a musical family. Picking up the piano by ear from an early age, she developed a love of music and church mission. In the early 90s, she moved to Nashville. She reached out to Reunion Records, inquiring about working with the esteemed company. Miraculously, she was accepted, and over the next few years, Jennifer played a role in marketing and publicity for the label that represented Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant and Rich Mullins. During this time, she began experimenting with her own music and felt compelled to start recording just like the artist she promoted. Her debut album, Out on a Limb, was released in 1991 and was followed by Near and Far and The Land Can Dance. Stepping out of the commercial side of music later that decade, Jennifer instead chose to focus on missionary work. Travelling to Europe for the first Christian conference since the fall of the Berlin Wall, she joined Tom Lane on tour. She later met and was mentored by Christian music icon Karen Lafferty, who penned Seeky first, and her path as a musician and missionary was set. In 2000 and 2002, she sang at World Youth Days in Rome and Toronto. By the early 2000s, the worship genre was flourishing, setting the stage for Jennifer to use her talents to the fullest. Passion Music, who introduced us to artists like Chris Tomlin, Crowder and Christian Stanfield, was looking for more songwriters under the label EMI CMG. 
Jennifer and her friend Tom Lang joined that team, where Jennifer most notably wrote the song Oh Come Be Born Again for them. Jennifer later went on to be signed as a songwriter for Word. Over the next decade, Jennifer continued to travel and sang in Toronto, Paris, Austria, India, Romania and the Czech Republic. Her album, You Are Worthy, was a favourite with CCM magazine. In addition, her earlier album, By The Waves, was named one of Performing Songwriters magazine's top 12 independent releases of the year. It was played on radio stations in Brussels, Belgium and Italy. In 2011, she returned to the studio with the worshipful It Is Well, where she recorded her own version of O Come Be Born Again. Today, Jennifer pastors Westside Anglican Church on the west of Nashville, bringing together her love of worship and pastoral care to the growing community. However, she still uses her music to the fullest. Infusing her love of liturgy, Anglican tradition and music together, her latest release, Advent, came out in 2015. Her first instrumental release invites people into a time of worship and adoration over the Advent season. I spoke to Jennifer from her home in Nashville, Tennessee about the highs and lows of her career, the cost of success in the Christian music industry, and what it was like working with some of the genre's most well-loved and iconic artists. This is Jennifer Martin. Can you tell me when you came to Nashville um, and why you came to Nashville? Yeah, that's a good story. Uh, well, I had graduated from university the year before with a music and history degree, mm-hmm. and a campus ministry position opened up at the high school that I had attended. So for a year after college, I was campus minister to 800 high school students, and I led you know, uh, annual retreats, um, all school liturgies, masses, um, I mean, not did not perform them, but coordinated them and did pastoral care. And I found that contemporary Christian music and worship was so engaging. It was probably the most effective tool uh, that I had with students. And so um, Michael W. Smith, Go West, Young Man, had just come out. I was using that song with my students, and then I was like, it felt like the teacher had to speak to the choir and go, what am I doing? And I decided I didn't didn't want to stay in Texas because I felt like I wasn't really going to grow unless I took a risk to leave my environment. And uh, I had two options. Uh, I had befriended three Catholic nuns working in the projects in East St. Louis, Illinois, which was like hardcore drugs and gangs and craziness. Um, So I could live with them for free and work for Catholic urban charities um, or I could uh, go to a city, i.e. Nashville, where I knew no one. (laughs) I was so sure that the Holy Spirit was going to lead me to the projects. I mean, Mm. you know, I just, that's what, surely. But um, I was flabbergasted. The one resume I sent to one record company, Michael W. Smith, of course. Of course, Um, naturally. (laughs) And I got the most beautiful rejection letter. And I wrote the woman back and I said, thank you for the most lovely rejection letter. Um, I'm going to be in Nashville in four weeks. Would you have 15 minutes to meet with me? Um, This happened to be Jen Cook, who is Amy Grant's manager and has been her right hand for years. And Heart and Motion Tour was literally within days of kicking off. She had no time, but she made time. Oh, wow. And... One thing led to another, and I got an internship at Reunion Records. 
And I learned about PR and marketing when it was a family-owned company, when Rich Mullins was on the label, just had recorded Awesome God. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was the glory days. Yes. And, and I found myself smack dab in the middle of that. I am yours. You are mine. I give you all my life. And even life is true I will still be loving you I will still be loving you So can you tell me did you have any background in marketing or PR when you went in or, 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 did, or did, did you just love music so you sort of went I just want to be part of this I didn't officially have any background. My dad was an advertising artist, so I guess I kind of grew up with a little bit of that. And I, you know, being a musician, uh, campus minister, very people-oriented, but no official marketing background at all, at all. So, yeah, it, it was kind of a joke, and, and the only explanation would be only God could, like, pick you up and put you there. But you know me now as a worship leader and a songwriter, but... Then, I mean, I was just an instrumentalist. Um, I played classical piano and a little, you know, a few guitar strums. And uh, I was terrified of the microphone. My goal so solely was to support the artist that I believed in. Mm -hmm. And so I was so happy to sit behind a desk, <laughs> coordinate interviews, hold things for photo shoots. You know, I just, I was terrified of the stage but when you move to Nashville again you know you understand you kind of get into this atmosphere and this different environment um, and I found a lot of encouragement to discover a voice within myself not just not just a musical voice but like my voice mm -hmm. that I never would have found had I not come here like how did you sort of come to that place knowing that in Nashville it is so rich and the competition is so high why did you choose to pursue music in that environment? You just can't be around this kind of talent and not have it, I don't think, rub off on you. I think because my work was exciting but stressful as a publicist mm -hmm. and doing production and marketing, I mean, it was an honor, but it's not how my brain is wired. Like, I'm, I'm so much more ministry and creative. Music became a refuge from the business world. Mm -hmm. So suddenly I tapped into a creative geyser. I had no idea was there. I, I don't mean to spiritualize it, but that's the only thing that I can do to say. It's, do it. It was, just, it was just a God thing because I, I literally, you know, my first few songs were just four chords, and I would get on the, the stage of our little church coffee house, and a noisy room would get quiet to hear the girl with the four note range and the whispery voice and the four guitar chords play the original song. And then they'd want another and they'd want another. And it like, it just was clear God was using the weak. Can you just tell me like distinctly why you chose to make the move from PR to actually being a touring artist? That's a huge move for you. It was gradual, but my work, um, my work was going well, even though it was very draining internally. And at almost year five, I had reached kind of the pinnacle, like, I, not pinnacle in 
marketing, but but I knew there were young adults everywhere who'd give their eye teeth to do what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So the turning point, I was at the American Christian Music Awards that it doesn't exist anymore, but we were in Florida, we were Disney World. I was running a couple of well-known CCM artists around for interviews, and my soul was not in it. And mm -hmm. I was so stunned because I thought, I've arrived. And not only that, I was being groomed for an upper management position, so it was going to mean a title, a bigger title and more money. And I remember going to my hotel room that night on my knees saying, God, I think you're calling me to pursue this artist's missions, whatever it is. Uh, a friend of mine calls it musicianary. And if this is really, really you, when I get home from this trip, let there be that part-time job offer from that woman that I spoke to six months ago waiting for me. And sure enough, the only message on my desk at Reunion Records when I came home from running artists around Disney World was, are you still interested in this part-time job? Which allowed me to resign, which freaked out everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and and sincerely pick up the guitar. Glory to you, glory to you. You are an awesome God. Glory to you, glory to you. You are an awesome Began and how that really established your career? Uh, again, I, you know, <laughs> I feel I had very little to do with it. You know, some people just work it so hard. And I, I would say it was accidental if we didn't know that the Holy Spirit was totally involved. Two, two major things happened. One, I acquiesced to go on my very first missions trip. And I was accompanying a, a fabulous singer worship leader. And we were going to do the first Christian music festival uh, on a stage in Romania to gather all the Eastern European nations, all the youth that we could since the wall came down. So it's going to be the first Christian music oh festival since the wall came down. And I was there to play keyboard in the background, in the shadows, on the stage for wonderful Tom Lane, who missed his flight. <laughs> oh, no! And I got off the bus in Zeged, Hungary, with a guitar strapped over my shoulder, not that I was supposed to play it in Hungary, but because a friend had given it to me to give away to someone in need. And the director of the festival had just gotten the phone call that Tom had missed his flight and wasn't going to make it. And he looked at me, pointed at me, and said, young woman, I don't care who you are, but you're taking that guitar and you're leading us in worship tonight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just remember going... Okay, because because when you're getting ready to go on your first missions trip, they just tell you you're gonna you're gonna have to do kitchen duty, you're gonna have to keep clean latrines, you're gonna you know like not you're gonna headline. You just you're a servant and you say yes, and so I'm like, oh, and I remember slow motion going up to my hotel room with this guitar that wasn't even mine borrowed in this foreign land, just going my favorite prayer, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> and the same hush 
that had happened in the coffee house in Nashville. Like, it happened in this room of international leaders who were weary and tired and they were getting ready for the kids to come in like, you know, a flood the next day and and they were refreshed because of the Lord and the director said to me that night, you're doing the same thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so my sweet friend Tom arrived about the time I was finishing my second worship set of my life. And um, he humbly stood in the background and came up to me afterwards and put his hand on, his shoulder, on my shoulder and said, I am so proud of you. And, you know, that's the beauty of, of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, there's not a, I have to win or I have to compete. It's, can I help you go further? Can I help you become who you're supposed to be? And Tom could have crushed me and my spirit at that moment, but instead he helped me fly. Um, the other really significant event shortly thereafter was meeting Karen Lafferty, who she wrote that beautiful hymn from the 70s. Seek ye first the My God, that was my school hymn. <laughs> Dead serious. Uh, well, in the same humble spirit of Tom Lane, and even more so, um, you know, she she really was one of the forerunners to break the genre of Christian music into the world. Like God, you know, used her and several others uh, in the seventies, and uh, she had a record deal before it was cool. Uh, and her label said, if you keep going to places like Romania and Hungary and China and India and places that don't can't afford to buy your records, we're going to drop you. And uh, she chose to continue her ministry and became, as many of us can be, a starving artist. Yeah. And in her poverty, she was meditating on that, that verse um, in Matthew. And that little tune came in to her head, and she wrote it, and they sang it at church on Sunday at Calvary Chapel in California. And it, it just spread all over the world. And it's now in every hymnal, in every language imaginable. It supported her missions, but she used that support to spawn others into mission. And I met her through a mutual friend in Nashville one time she was visiting, and she came to a coffee house show that I was doing and brought no less than 20 friends. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I only brought out five. She brought out another 20. Um, and at the end of the night, again, like, like I, I just thought, you know, well, how nice. And, and she said, um, Jenna, I'm going to do a tour this summer. We're going to start in Budapest at the YWAM base, and we're going to head to Romania, and we're going to go to Germany, and we're going to go here and there. We're going to end at the YWAM Go Festival in the Czech Republic. Would you lead the band? <laughs> I thought, well, it will be something to put in my diary. I can't, I can't say no to this opportunity. No, um, not at all. I know. Um, Jessica, it would, she changed the course of my life because uh, I got a taste of the kingdom and God's heart for the nations and how worship is not confined to a land or a language. Uh, it's, it's as vast as we can imagine because God is so vast. And um, to see, again, this whispery, you know, limited 
for Note Rain uh, worship leader, uh, able to connect with people all over the globe and make friends all over the globe. It was just beautiful. So from that point on, probably for the next 10, 12 years, I traveled and sang and mentored and taught. And it was glorious. So I just developed this love for the body of Christ. And so I started experimenting with um, CCM music and worship music. And so, yeah, uh, probably my favorite record, though, has no words. <laughs> it's the, the most recent recording from two years ago. It's an instrumental CD called Advent. It's just a piano, guitar, violin, a little cello, instrumental CD. Oh. Amazing timing. I'm not, mm-hmm. I really was not trying to promote it, but I, we are two weeks from entering uh, in the Christian year, the season of Advent. So yeah. um, I, I think I love that project so much, not only because of the reflection of the season, but it's where my, my strongest voice comes out, which was never singing, but was always through my fingers. Um, you mentioned to me that you've done some songwriting for other artists too, and for a while, I think you worked with Passion. Was that right? Oh gosh, I guess it was two thousand one. Um, EMI Worship Together uh, decided to consider hiring about twenty songwriters, and at the end of the day, and this is right when Chris Tomlin was taking off and Passion stuff was taking off, and. Um, at the end of the day, they decided to only hire two full-time songwriters. And um, I was like, okay. You know, and I just was like, well, y'all, y'all have fun. And, um, and it ended up being Tom Lane and myself. And I was just, Lord. I just, I was like, I got picked. I got picked. That's so, amazing. Um, so I've had, I've had a, you know, just a couple of songs. Um, Would you mind telling me what some of those songs are? Oh my goodness. Um, the first and the favorite that you've probably never heard, but um, I think it's in one or two hymnals is a simple worship song called Glory to You. And I I will ever be grateful that that was the first song published because I think uh, I you could put that on my epitaph, just <laughs> glory to God. Um, and then the other favorite song that got a little mileage from them and then later from Word Music is um, it's a Christmas song, and it's called O Come Be Born Again. 
and you can actually do some YouTube searching and find people in, uh, oh gosh, like, I mean, just all over the world singing some really crazy, schmaltzy, bad, wonderful rendition. <laughs> <laughs> you know, choirs, choirs doing like five, six modulations. Oh, Kuwait. There's a, there's a choir in Kuwait in robes with a little synthesizer singing this song. You and know I, you've I, made it when you find yes. that. I, I told my dad, like, he was like, oh, you know, I was the daughter he always worried about. You know, I have two sisters who are very successful in business. And then, you know, I took this, this right turn. And he's like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, dad, don't worry. I'm big in Romania. <laughs> <laughs> um, it did not alleviate his fears. But <laughs> what can you do? So I still I still dabble. I mean, right now I, in writing, I I have a I have a pop song um, in my heart right now. Just in the climate of how polarized our uh, our American culture and politics and just the world is. Um, so I I'm working on something that I would love to share with you when it's done. mechanism or an industry where you're expected to sort of just pour out hit after hit after hit um, and get a certain reaction from in a sense the audience and fans and sort of just living with that expectation and knowing that sort of I suppose other artists careers depend on you in that capacity yeah gosh that's such a thoughtful question I I would say I was a bit, well, <laughs> to say that my songwriting deal, that that particular one only lasted 12 months, you can see how successful I was. <laughs> um, actually, I think the reason was um, artists like the wonderful Chris Tomlin were not just performing, but they were performing their and leading their own songs. So, so even though Tom and I were hired to write, you know, many people were, that were recording artists were doing their own music. Um, but I would say that the music business, even from PR days to being a songwriter, artist, and traveling with the Worship Together band for a year, um, it was, a, I mean, something that's instilled the fear of the Lord more than anything, because there is a fine line between, this sounds so cynical, but, you know, from worshiping and promoting God, and there, there's just that fine line where you can slip over to promoting yourself, mm -hmm. and... Um, it was very 
eye-opening to me to see uh, some people after a worship set uh, critiquing uh, performances and uh, counting CD sales and actually being upset if someone's saying something that wasn't in our company's catalog. And um, I, I mean, I understand there's a, there's an industry and I, I certainly uh, will not turn away a royalty check when it comes my way, but um, I think we need to handle God's worship very carefully. And when I see a songbook that says the 100 top worship songs, (laughs) I just, I just think who said and who knows and and do we really can we even contemplate what the best is going on right now around the throne whoever you are we're just we're just vessels and carriers of it and we might I might get fortunate enough to catch one but I I'm just a steward of it it is not about me so um ah some of the industry stuff gets a little wonky but um, I'm so, at the same time, so blown away that I've gotten to um, walk in it too and hopefully be a light. So can you tell me, as just someone who was, as you said, like part of the industry in the glory days and you sort of saw yes. lots of behind-the-scenes <laughs> stuff, um, I think I think every church kid would agree with that statement. I'm geeking out of the back of my head. Um, so Considering like you were part of the industry back then, considering that you are still in Nashville and you're still yes. witnessing so much of this, and you probably, I would expect, correct me if I'm wrong, probably uh, see a lot of what actually happens behind the music scene that still happens there and just intuitively know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um how has the Christian music industry in particular changed in the last 25 years? Oh, wow. Um, I, I don't know that I'm the person to answer that question because, to be honest, uh, I, although I bump up against the industry, I can't say that I've been very much involved in it, but I will just speak from my own limited experience um, to say that while I was sometimes... I'm disenchanted with the business side of my work with artists in the, in the CCM world. Um, I was blessed to champion, you know, music like Michael W. Smith and a, a little a bit of Amy Grant and Gary Chapman and like Ross, blah, 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 Kathy Tripoli, let me definitely say her name. Um, and, and I will say that they were and they are the real deal. And I am so humbled to say in this interview that um, that has not changed. In, in, my, in what I see of them, Ashley Cleveland um, got to see her play uh, just three or four months ago and give her a big hug. And I mean, um, who, who they were and who they are is still rooted and grounded in Christ. And I haven't seen Michael W. in a long time. Smitty! Um, but, like, the man is... He's mentoring and on his face praying and bringing others into prayer for revival. Um, just has been for years, but you know, I'm just I'm grateful that though much has changed in how we sell music and and what we record, that those hearts and those fires are still burning and have not changed. Mm-hmm.
people I talk to on the podcast is sort of ask them a few questions that don't really seem to fit anywhere else, but sort of people <laughs> just wonder. What's the strangest experience you ever had or when encountering like an artist way back in the glory days? What was the strangest thing that happened for you guys that was just like unexpected? Um, as an artist or as someone working with artists? Let's go with uh, someone working with artists and then question two can be as an artist. Okay, okay. Well, I will say as an artist, um, and it wasn't, it, it, gosh, I guess it was the tour that Michael did after Go West, and right now I'm blanking on the name of the uh, Change Your World Tour. Thank you, God. Um, <laughs> and I, I was very involved with that tour, and I had the tour jacket, and I had, <laughs> I had the all-access pass. And, um, you know, Jessica, what can you say then that God, God heard the, the desires of my heart from a insecure at once time suicidal um adolescent teenager college student you know again finding her way in the world um and that that god would give that god could connect the dots and put me in a situation of favor and i just remember going from the audience of the, the coliseum uh in louisville Kentucky to the backstage and back again and you know no one even questioning me because I had the pass and I just I, it wasn't so much about having the pass it was so much more about God there's nothing that you're not able to do so that was pretty yeah pretty unbelievable gosh as an artist uh, <laughs> it is such a small little vignette of what comes to mind and I don't know that I've ever shared it before but the only what, what I'm picturing right now is being somewhere in Russia <laughs> with uh, the uh, prof, prophet Cindy Jacobs and Jim Gall in a small group uh, worshiping and interceding and meeting with people through Russia and particularly meeting with Messianic Jews. And uh, all, all I can tell you is after a night of worship and, and this elderly woman behind me just 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 overcome by the spirit and just taking a beautiful scarf that I think a family member had given me for Christmas off my neck and putting it around her just just that connection that only the Holy Spirit can do where you're you're reminded no matter the barriers and the walls and the nationalities and the language that we are brothers and sisters and so I will never forget just reaching behind me and having this connection and I'll, you know, I'll never know her name. I won't see her again till heaven, but you know, hopefully she'll be wearing that, that scarf with the, the red and gray polka dots and the black trim. And, um, I'll, I just remember her kiss on my cheek and her embrace. And that's what comes to mind right now. So. It's beautiful. I know you told me a really funny story once about Michael W. Smith. I just remember when, and I've repented for this, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we, marketing and publicity people, think we know, oh, God forgive us, think we know what someone needs to look like or sound like or act like, producers too. And that's not just the music industry, like that's all industry. And And God forbid that we ever give that counsel before we wait on the Lord for his counsel, but we do. And 
through my mistakes, I've learned some important lessons. But I remember, you know, um, one of the horrible things that we did was to try to sweeten and polish up Ashley Cleveland, who is just wonderful, nitty gritty, wonderfully wonderful the way she is. And so thank God she didn't listen to us. But, <laughs> um, I also remember, um, I don't know if it was we were trying to ask Michael to be a little bit more like DC Talk or if he was trying to be a little bit more like DC Talk, but finally it was like, dude, lose the baggy pants and the, you know, the ball caps and just be who you are. And that message, you know, you can't preach without having to practice it, or at least you hope not. And that is a, that is a resonating directive to me too. Jenna, be who I've created you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, last question if you could go back in time and speak to Jenna 25, 26 years ago when she moved to Nashville um, and got that miracle internship <laughs> what would you say to her? Oh my goodness uh, probably would encourage her to get into some counselling as soon as possible <laughs> always, yes um just in church because I didn't I didn't find a church for a year I didn't go to church for a year because uh I you know felt daunting as a new person just to you know step into unknown places but um I think I would have told her to to find a community as soon as possible because that was it was really hard to to uh work but I would also tell her um Trust God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because um, there are going to be some nights, some days that you, you wonder what in the heck you're doing. And, oh, sweetheart, hang on. It's going to be better, so much better than you could ask or imagine. I find favor in your eyes With every ray of morning light When night has come and day is through May I find my rest in you Okay, how cool was that? I love Jennifer's thoughts, uh, especially about like Michael W. Smith and things like that. She has some great stories there, which when she told me, I was like, oh, I have to share that with people. It's so fun. Um, and just some really compelling thoughts about the function of music and ministry and reaching out to people and how powerful God is, but how we can actually use music to actually minister to people and change lives. Something that inspires me about Jennifer is that she walks so closely with God every day. He is such a formative part of who she is, how she expresses herself and how she speaks to you. I hope you got a little bit of that from the interview because she's a treasure. I feel like even though she's sort of an unsung hero of the golden era of 90s Christian music, she really played a formative role in it and her music really shows that, the honesty and the integrity that she still holds today. Now, you would have heard Jennifer talk a little bit about her instrumental album, Advents. Yes, we are now in the Advent season, so it is time to break out the Christmas tunes. To be honest, I have been listening to them and watching Christmas movies for a lot longer than that, but hey, it's just me. So you can pick up a copy of Advent now just by looking up Jennifer Martin on iTunes. She is a beautiful composer 
and whether you want to meditate to it or just literally have it on the background, you will love it. So head on over there. You can also check out her church, Westside Anglican, and you'll find a link to that in our summary. All right. So with that episode done, next week we are going into Christmas. Yes, every CCM artist releases a Christmas album. Why not? But next week we are speaking to John Mark McMillan. He's been in the industry for 17 years and is only now just releasing his first Christmas album. It came out a couple of weeks ago and it's called Smile and the Mystery. I had such a fascinating conversation with John Mark. He drops some things in there that will blow your mind and he also has a really candid conversation with me about how he met his wife, uh, why he's gone independent uh, and why he's actually releasing a Christmas album. I mean he's not really a man that goes with the grain so what's the deal? It's a great episode. I like I said I had so much fun speaking with him and you do not want to miss it. So guys Subscribe. I say it every week, but if you haven't yet, go subscribe, please. I would love you to receive the episode as soon as it drops, and that's the best way to do it. Uh, Give us a rating, please. We would love that. And share us with your friends. Go follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Between You Me Pod. You can also find us online at BetweenYouAndMePod.com. You'll find every episode summary there, as well as links to all the places that we are available online. That's all for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. It was fun. We are officially in December now, so get the Santa hats out, get the Christmas tree up, and get that CCM music pumping because it's officially Christmas season and we are here for it. (laughs) See you next week. It's Christmas, candlelight, midnight carols at church, singing Present that compares to this Or oh, I just love when Christmas comes for listening to the Between You and Me podcast. Stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to jesuswire.com.